got me working on this part, the preaching part of it. Um, in Acts 5, 15, and 16, I want to start off with this today. This is the power that we all say we want in the church. Are you ready? Yeah. Ready, Amanda? This is Amanda's first Sunday back there on the projector. Woo! And so as much as they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of, of Peter passing by them might overshadow some of them. Go on. And 16 says... There came also a multitude of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing forth sick folks, and with and with them which were vexed by unclean spirits or bothered by unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one, every one. You get this now? Amen. Think about what was happening here. Not just in Excelsior Springs, but all the towns around Excelsior Springs. They brought sick people in them, so when we walk by, they're healed. Yeah. All of them are healed. That's not the power we want to see. Yeah. Yes, it is. That's what we always talk about. We want we want to see these things happen in our church. Why aren't they happening? Has God changed? No. God hasn't changed one lick. He wants this to happen still. He designed this whole thing for this to be like this. For the church to have authority, to have power, and to live these things out. And to see people. I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. You don't feel that? Yeah. Just speaking about it today. But to have power, that when we walk down the street, people are healed. When we lay our hands on people, not that we're anything, but when we lay our hands on people and anoint them with oil, like God's word says, and pray the prayer of faith, that they're healed. It says they shall be healed. We want these things. We talk about these things. We speak about these things. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Outside, we come here a couple times a week and we listen to this ball guy read a few verses off. What are we doing about it? What are we doing to live these things down? I got a lot of scriptures today, but I want to show you, especially new people, that this is biblical. And this is where it's at. This is what God's word says. Acts, Acts 1, 4, and 5. It says, there came also a multitude. No, oh, no, no, no. Acts 1. There you go. I got it marked in my Bible. And being assembled together with them, commanded. Let's talk about Jesus. After Jesus had been with them 40 days and 40 nights, he was telling the disciples what to do. And being, this is right before he was ascended into heaven. Right. It says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So he's not saying, Don't go out and do anything for me yet. Don't work for me. Don't do anything until you do this. Right. Until you're ready for this. Until you're ready. He was leading them up to this point. But he's saying, Don't go out and witness for me. Don't do anything yet. They should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. For the promise of the Father. That should excite you right there. If Dad's got it, I want it. If my father has it, and it's a promise to me, I want it. Do you want it? Yeah. yeah. Do you want it today? Do you want these things to happen? Yeah. This power to flow in our church like this? Amen. Which saith, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall... And John, this is two different types of baptism we're talking about today. John baptized with water. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, he dunked him under, right? But he was a forerunner. John was a forerunner to Jesus. Yeah. Jesus speaks of a different baptism. That's what we're going here today with this. Jesus speaks of a different baptism. John baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He's telling them all, don't go anywhere. Don't leave this city of Jerusalem until you're baptized with this Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. They're talking about the same thing here. <clears throat> don't you know? He, he knew they needed it. Jesus knew that his disciples needed it. What's a disciple? A learner? A pupil? Your disciples? I'm a disciple. 
We're all disciples. We're all learners of Christ, right? Yeah. We're here to learn about God today. He knew they needed it. He knew they needed him. We call, we call the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, the third part of the Trinity. It's all the same person. It's all the same thing. The Spirit of God, we, call it, we get in the habit a lot of calling it it. And I think that's wrong. We should call it a him. He's the Spirit of God. If they needed him, how much do we need him? They walked with Jesus. They already performed miracles because Jesus told them to do it. But he was leaving. They needed that part of him. And they needed that third part of the Trinity to live inside of him. They needed not only to live inside of him, but they needed to be baptized with him. You see, there's a difference there today. And that's why I have so many scriptures I'm going to teach on this. The difference of having the Holy Ghost living inside of you, which you have from the time you're saved, to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being diffused with the Holy Spirit, is two totally different things. It's two different things. Acts 1.8 but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses upon witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You see that word power there? He's saying once you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, then you're going to go out and you're going to do works for me. Is that not what he's saying here? Yeah. You're going to go to work for me then once you've been baptized in this. This word power here means, in the Greek, it means force specifically miraculous power specifically miraculous power think about that what's that mean that means you walk down the road and your shadow heals people doesn't it that means you lay hands on people and they're healed it says ability abundance miracle power strength empower or enable so it empowers you to do things that you couldn't do before it empowers you to get through everyday life not just miracles and healing people laying hands on people in shadows but it it empowers you to do things you couldn't do before. It empowers you to stand up where you should have stand up before, where you should have stood up before. Look what it did to Peter when he when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was kind of, they were all hiding in the upper room, and then he they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they went out, and Peter told him, Repent. You've been wrong this whole time. Repent. You killed Jesus. Yeah. Turn around. Be saved. And then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter wouldn't have done that before. It empowered him to do what God had called him out to do, did it not? Yes. Are we looking for an empowered? Are we looking for something like this to God? John 14, 17. Miraculous power comes from this. The, the Greek word is dunamis. John 14, 17 says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Why can't they receive them? Because they haven't been saved. They have sin on them. So the world can't receive them because you have to be saved first. You see, God's disciples had to be saved first. Jesus' disciples, they had to be saved first. They had to come through his blood to be saved. Once they were saved, then they could receive this Holy Ghost he's talking about, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. See, there he's talking about him as a him. The Holy Ghost is a him. Neither knoweth him, but ye knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. He dwells with you and in you all the time, from the time you are saved. From the time you say that prayer and ask God to come into your heart, the Holy Ghost moves inside of you. And he lives with you. He lives in you. Does that make sense to you so far? Yeah. This is different than being baptized in the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of you. He leads you and guides you. He's an onboard witness. He speaks to you constantly if we'll listen. He speaks to me constantly. I'm not preaching down to you. But he speaks to me constantly if we'll listen. So the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. He dwells with us at all times. Acts 19, 1-7 says this. And it came to pass that, the, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, certain disciples who that, he's not talking about the original 12, right? He's talking about just 12 learners of the gospel. 12 pupils of Christ. 
certain disciples. And here's why we know he wasn't talking about the rich. Go ahead and see. Here's why we know he wasn't. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, if he was talking to the original twelve, he knew they had been received the Holy Ghost, right? They were, they were baptized in the upper room, right? So he's talking, to, he's talking to different people now, different disciples. He's not talking to the original twelve. Ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believe. And they said unto him, we have not so as much as heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. So you see, they were saved. They had the Holy Ghost living inside of them, but they hadn't been baptized. He asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? They haven't been baptized yet. They hadn't been infused yet. They had that spirit living inside of them, one of the three. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. John baptized with water, right? But John told them he was a forerunner of Jesus. This is what I'm going to do for you, but Jesus is going to do much more for you. I'm just a forerunner of him. I'm here to, to tell you about him and tell you what's to come, is what John said, right? That's what he preached, basically in a nutshell. Repent and be baptized with water. Because when you're baptized with water, what's that show? It's an outward appearance to man, right? You go down down with the old, up with the new. You come up, you're wet. There's a sign of it, right? Yeah. Just like speaking in tongues. When you're baptized in the Holy Ghost... The evidence is you come up speaking in tongues. Yes, it's different than having him living inside of you. Now you're infused with the power. You follow me? Does that make sense to you so far? Yes. Go ahead. Four. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the, with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. Now you see this right? This is what the first, this is what the church as a whole preaches this a lot. They preach, they, they tell you about salvation. I'm going to get this a little bit. They tell you about salvation. They tell you about water baptism, but not everyone wants to talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Go on. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead. This is a different baptism than the baptism of the water, right? Now they're being baptized in the Spirit. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Seven says, and all of the and all the men were about twelve. How many were baptized in the Holy Ghost? Come on, right there. All, all of them were baptized in the Spirit when Paul laid hands on them. They were all baptized in the Spirit. Now there are three kinds of tongues we want to talk about here. First, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity. See, it's all the same person. It's all Him. There's three kinds of tongues here, though, that I want to teach you about today. I don't have time to go with all the scriptures. You see me at the church if you want to know them. I can, I'll, I'll look them up for you. I didn't write them in my notes, even. The, the type of tongues that they were first baptized with, it, it, you see, I'm, I'm trying to debunk a thing that I've heard a lot of people say that speaking in tongues isn't for everybody. And it is for everybody. You read it in Acts 2.39. You read it here. You read it in the upper room. Everyone there was baptized. wasn't part of them. It wasn't a little bit of them. It wasn't as God chose. The Bible says God is no respecter of person. Does it not? Yeah. Now, if he, if he chose to give it to me and not to Brother David, he'd be a respecter of person. Right? So anyone who wants to receive this can receive it. Amen. You have to step out and you have to receive of it. Amen. Now, you can, get, you can receive it when the hands are laid on you. Or you can, I mean, you can receive it right then. Some people do. Some people get it later. I got it at my house. Some people maybe pray, pray for it and then they get it later on, but you have to receive it. Um, there's, there's three types of tongues, though. One is a known tongue. Such as happened in the upper room experience. They came, it was noise abroad, it said. And there were people from all over the world. Right? You ever know the scripture? They were there from all over the world. And they heard them speaking their languages. So they knew what they were talking about. It was a known tongue of man. 
That'd be like me speaking Chinese or Russian or, or, or Spanish or something like that. And someone was here to interpret it, and they said, hey, that was perfect Chinese when you spoke that out of order. It was perfect Chinese, and I understood exa exactly what you're saying. Because God doesn't do anything halfway. It'd be perfect Chinese. It happened in the, at the turn of the century. It happened to a lady that this is how PCG got started. She spoke in Russian. And there was an immigrant restaurant owner there that understood what she was saying. And she was so slain in the spirit, so baptized in the spirit, she couldn't speak English again for three days. So this is a known tongue, but it's known to man. It's a, but I don't know it, but, but someone, it's a known language to man. You get what I'm saying? There's also an unknown tongue, a prayer language, right? And this is used for a private thing, mostly private thing. My wife told me that day she wakes up all the time in the night. She'll just feel that she needs to pray. That wakes her up, and she knows there's something she needs to pray about, but she doesn't know what it is. Just an uneasy feeling that she's got to pray. She doesn't know what it is she needs to pray about or anything, so she'll pray in tongues. Because it says as the Holy Ghost gives us utterance. It's a direct line, if you will, to God. Yeah. You don't have to look and see how many bars you got. No one else understands it. And God gives us this prayer language so that when the Holy Ghost speaks through our, to our spirit, he gives us utterance. It's moanings, it says. So that when I pray to God in this language, God understands me. It's a direct line to God, uninterfered. No static in this line. The devil can't understand me. Yeah. Because how many know when you say a prayer in English or you say a prayer in Spanish or Chinese, when you say these prayers, as soon as they leave my lips, the devil hears them. And he jumps on me and he starts to attack me in these areas. He attacks these things that we're praying about. But when you pray in this heavenly language, all he hears is groans. Yeah. It's all jumbled up for him. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. So he can't attack that area. Are you following me? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I may not know what I'm saying. In my, in my physical mind, I don't understand it either. But it comes through my spirit. And if you'll pray in this way, and you keep praying in this way, and you give it time, guess what will happen? Pretty soon, God will give you an answer back. Even if you're praying for an answer or anything, and you're, and, you're, and you're praying in tongues, God will pretty soon speak back to that spirit that lives inside of you. And what happens? You just know. Bam. I just know the answer to it. This is the answer to it. And it goes off, and I just have peace with it. I have peace with it, and I know that it's right. God will speak back and forth through the spirit that way. Right? That's the second kind of tongues. The third type of tongues is tongues and interpretation, right? That's where, say, Sister Claire, I don't, I'm, I'm not blessed with this gift. This is the gift of the Spirit, I believe. So that's where maybe Sister Claire or someone else would stand up and give, and give a tongue. Now, if this tongue is given more than three times, it's out of line, right? It's out of line according to the Word of God. Everything has to line up with this Word right here. If we do anything that's not according to this Word here, we're out of line. But it can only be given a maximum of three times a tongue can come over if Sister Clara gives the tongue, she has to know the interpretation of the tongue. Or, or she would be out of the line. Follow what I'm saying? Now, she doesn't have to give that. God may give it to me. Or he may give it to Tyler to stand up and give the interpretation for it. This is for the edification of the church. God can give us a direct message through a person like that. And he'll speak it out in tongues that we don't understand. But he'll give the, either the definition to another person or the person who gave the tongues to stand up and give a message to the church. To the body, not to the building, to the body, who we are. We're the church, right? Yeah. Am I boring you all yet? No, no. I'm chewing on this. All right. I'm trying to do some teaching today because we have a lot of new people here. We have a lot of people that I don't think understand what being baptized in the Spirit means or what speaking in tongues means. We see it as this big, scary thing or something that we should be afraid of or something that's weird because it's been put out there like that. Like, oh, don't go to that church over there. They're tongue talkers over there. Don't go over there and drown those people. That, that, that's crazy. That's of the devil. Well, let me ask you this. We've heard from the devil. Was Mary, Jesus' mom, of the devil? How about Paul and all the disciples? They were all in the upper room. They all spoke in tongues. Every one of them did. Right. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
tongue talker. He said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. Now these same people who are preaching the business of the devil are preaching out of this book. This is the same book that this man wrote. So make some sense of that for me. It's because of things we've been taught, things that's been left out of the book. That's why we lack the power. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's what the Bible says, right? That's what Paul says is going to happen in the last days. That's what Paul said is going to happen. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Not everyone's going to make it. You see, you might say, Preacher, what's this got to do with what you're preaching about a while ago? Hold on, I'm going to tie this together for you. Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. Said, Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. We need to get excited about this. I sent out a text, a group text to the men this morning that said, What would you do today if you knew Jesus was coming back at 5 o'clock? What would you do today? Would you skip church? No. Would you hang out? What would you be doing? Would you be doing something wrong? You'd make sure that things were right between you and God. How would we live if we really believe this? Do we really believe this as a church? We, we, we need to get saved. We need to make sure we're right. We need to repent. And by repent, I mean do a 180 away from the sin that we've been doing. What does that have to do with the rest of the message, you may ask? We preach this all the time, and it seems normal to us. Salvation seems normal to us, right? But we're not sure about the tongues. It's scary or weird. Let me tell you this. In the early church, when this power was going on like this, speaking in tongues was normal as drinking a glass of water. Amen. Yes. Amen. Because they didn't have all these things, these doctrines of man, of men. They didn't have those all introduced into it then. And I'm going to prove that to you here. From the Bible. I'm talking to you from the Bible today. Acts 2.42 says, and they continued steadfastly. What's that mean? Steadfastly. Steadfastly means they were getting after it. They were looking for it. They were seeking it out. And they were doing it on a daily basis. Not just part of the time. Not twice a week. Not when they felt like it. Not when it was convenient. Not when someone was not making fun of them for it. But they did it steadfastly. They were doing it all the time as best they could go for it. And the apostles' doctrine. What's doctrine there? Let me give you a definition. It's a teaching or instruction. They were taught by Jesus. They were filled with this power that we're talking about. Miraculous power. Miracle working power they were infused with. It was all through every cell, every fiber of their being. Because they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship and in the breaking of bread. And in prayers. That's pretty good stuff, huh, Brother David? Let's go on to the next scripture. It says, 2 Timothy 3.16. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They weren't playing around with other things. They didn't take away from the book. They didn't add to the book. They didn't say that tongue-talking stuff sounds crazy to me. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost, I don't really need that. And I'm not saying you have to have that to get to heaven today, but I'm saying it is a vital key. If you don't have that, you may fail. Did you hear what I said? If you don't have that, you may fail. Because you, we're weak. Amen. We're fleshly minded. We're fleshly creatures. And we're weak. And without that baptism of the Holy Ghost, we may not make it. Jesus told his disciples they needed it. If they needed it, if Peter needed it, why wouldn't I need it? Yeah. Why don't you need it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much scripture is? Oh. All of it. This whole thing, right? Every word in here. So do we take parts out of it and to? Do we believe every word of it from the front to the back? Yeah. I believe you have to believe every word of it from the front to the back or don't believe any of it. Leave it out completely. Walk away now if you don't believe it all. 
or get up here and pray. That's what you probably should do, not walk away. <laughs> All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, it's profitable, so that means it's good for, right? What's profitable mean? If I do something that's profitable, I gain. I gain, I move forward, I get ahead by doing these things, right? Do you want to get ahead in life? Yeah. Spiritual life as well as physical life? Yes. It's good, it's profitable for the doctrine, for doctrine, so it's profitable, profitable for teaching or instruction, right? All this word is, it's all in here. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, let me give you a definition right here, evidence or proof. It's good for evidence or proof. So everything we should be doing, everything we're doing should be lining up with this word. Should be proved by this word. If you're doing something in your life that's not proved by this word right here, stop it. Yeah. Cut it out. Repent. Get away from it. Everything needs to be reproved by this word. Proof. It's good for correction. That means to straighten up again. So if you already knew better, to be corrected, you had to know better the first time, right? I tell my kids not to grab the Kleenex box before I slap their hand to grab the Kleenex box. Does that make sense to you? Right here. It's correction. He's already reproved us. He's already gave us the evidence. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to live. I've gave you this spirit. He's inside of you talking to you constantly. This is what you need to do. And if you don't do that, this word will straighten you up again. will correct you. The pastor uses this word a lot of times. I'm called by God to use this word to correct you. If you can't take correction, your heart's not right. You're not right. Because God's word says this right here. It's good for correction. What did he say to, what he say to, to Timothy? Or he said, if you love me, preach the word. Preach the word, what he told Timothy. Paul, and I, I make two scriptures up there. But Paul said, preach the word. In season and out of season, preach the word. The word is the correction. So if I give you something that's according to this word, and you can't be corrected by it, and you get upset and offended, guess what? You're out of line. You need to get yourself back in order, get the hold of God, and prepare yourself to take correction. Instruction. It's good for instruction. This means education or training. So he's going to teach us to do things. He's going to teach us that we need to receive the Spirit. The baptism of the Spirit, right? We need to be living righteous, holy lives, separate than the, earth, than the world. This is not being preached enough today. We want to soft soak a lot of things so people don't leave the church. We need to be living holy, righteous lives. Can I tell you that again? Holy and righteous, separate. You should look different than people in the world. Amen. You should look different than the counterparts at your job. And if you just come in here and you try to soft soap some things and you try to try to do it a little bit, you try to dabble in it, you're not going to look different. It's not going to be different for you. You're not going to get that baptism. I have an illustration for you today. We're already out of time, but that's all right. Let me do it over here. I think Samantha wants to take part in this. <laughs> Anybody have a testimony while I'm setting this up real quick? Real quick. You got one, Dave? Oh. All right. Go ahead, sis. Overcome it by the words of your testimony. My cousin called me the other day. They mentioned me. He said, I had a heart attack, the doctor told me. I didn't know it, but he told me I did. I got to go in and have a catheterization. Well, they're going to see how my heart is. And I said, well... She wasn't interested in her. I said, call me and we'll do it. So she called me. She said, they're going to do it at 11 o'clock. I called Tanya. Jeff. I said, let's just talk about praying. 
one prayer that we pray, right? And so finally trying to find one minute, she said, surely they didn't find nothing. Amen. Nothing. Give God the glory for that. That's the kind of God I serve, and we should see miracles like that daily. Yeah. Daily, I'm telling you, we should see miracles like that daily. When someone comes to us and talks about cancer, we should be able to rebuke cancer. What did it say? Peter's shadow cured the people. And it didn't say one of them or a few of them. It said all of them. All of them did. We're talking about miraculous power now here. This, this symbolizes me, right? This is me. And this water here symbolizes the Holy Ghost, right? So when I got saved... Tyler Corbett, help me real quick, will you? Pull that out there for me. Pull it over where they can see it. When I got saved, the Holy Ghost came and lived inside of me, right? You can see a difference how this thing is changing, right? You can see a difference. You see a difference in that rag, right? Mm -hmm. Touch it. You can feel a difference, right? Feel that? You can feel a difference, right? The Holy Ghost came and lived inside of me. He's in me. Now, if I don't do something with this thing, if I lay it out here and let it dry up, what's going to happen? It'll look the same way it did before, right? But now, if I come in here and I'm seeking out the baptism of the Holy Ghost, what happens now when you dip it in here and it gets baptized? See, Tyler felt this before and he could feel a little bit of difference in it. But when it's baptized like this, it's way different. You catch this, Joe? What happened when you caught that? It got on you, didn't it? It spread. It splashed around a little bit, didn't it? It gets on other people and it spreads around other places. When you come with the right mind, when you come to be baptized, when you come infused with that. You see what infusion is? When you're baptized, he lives inside of you. You see how the rag was? The rag did have a little bit of, it was a little bit wet on the inside. It had the spirit inside of him. Now you can, lead, you can be led and guided by that, and you can make it to heaven on that right there. You're saved. You're washed clean by the blood of God, by the blood of, of Christ. But when you're, when you're baptized and, that, and it's infused in you, every part of that thing's wet now. It's not a little bit wet. Every fiber in here is soaked up with it. Now, I can still leave it laying out here and let it go back to the state it was in before. You have to keep going back to the well. Amen. So even if you've been baptized before, you need to come back again. Yeah. And again and again and again. You need to pray in tongues. You need to practice these things. I hope this helps someone here today. that makes sense to anybody? Yeah. You know what's next now. You know what's next. Does that change anybody's mind about the weirdness or the scariness or whatever? You know you need this thing now.